This is Shop Talk Radio, episode 36, with Jordan Harbinger. Welcome to Shop Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nick Onken, and on this show, we bring you inspiring guests to dive underneath the hood of the creative entrepreneurial lifestyle to bridge the gap between art, commerce, and inspiration. What is up, Shop Talk Creatives? Today, I've got my friend Jordan Harbinger on the show, and Jordan runs a show called The Art of Charm which is about personal development and social skills in life, which I deem very important, especially in the world of art and selling your art. Because relationships and networking, if that's what you want to call it, are very important because that's how we get work. And that's how we sell ourselves. And charm is a good way of adding that to the arsenal. So today we talk about many things, how to connect with people, how to get into the circles that you want, and how to be a charming individual, and how, to, how that plays into the world of creative entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship in general. So this applies to everyone. And I met Jordan a few years ago. He's got a program out in LA which teaches charm. And you can go sign up for that, but um, check out his website, theartofcharm.com. He's got amazing guests on his show. And something that's really funny is he got sent my book, Photo Trekking, a few years ago. And we're still actually trying to figure out how that happened because I did not send it. So it still remains quite the mystery. But with that, I am stoked to have Jordan on the show and to share his world with you guys. So without further ado, let's jump in. Welcome to Shop Talk Radio. Thanks, man. I want to talk some shop today. Yeah. That's the idea. Let's do it. Let's do it. Jordan is an awesome dude and super smart. He's got a podcast called The Art of Charm, uh, talking about social skills for uh, everyone. 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 Yeah. Used to be just dudes, but then I was like, you know what? I got so many women listening and writing in that I'm stupid to ignore them. You know, you're dumb to ignore that big section of your demographic. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's that's an interesting. Concept. I want to hear more about that, but first, let's actually give people an idea of, you know, what you've built this the entity of art, the art of charm, and how you got started. Um, so, give us a synopsis. Sure. So, we started about eight years ago recording a show about dating, and it was mostly just a kind of a, a how pathetic my dating life really was. <laughs> and my friend AJ, who was really good with women, kind of coaching me in a recorded format, and. It, the show got really popular. We're one of the first shows on iTunes. And now, fast forward, and we can you know flesh this out as we go. Now it's 1.1 million downloads per month. We kind of not ditched the dating stuff, but we realized, listen, you can talk about dating a lot, but at the end of the day, what makes somebody really attractive and a desirable partner, which is what most of us are looking for, mm. like long-term sustainable relationships, yeah. are the same things that make, for example, good entrepreneurs, well-rounded men, well-rounded people in general. So now guests include really interesting folks like yourself or anybody with a great story. I've had Lewis Howes on, who's been on Shop Talk before, a good buddy of ours. Yeah. And just people who have something to teach that is rooted in 
something that not necessarily positive psychology, but something practical. Mm -hmm. So I might have a financial manager on there. That's like, listen, all this hype you get from all these guys is BS invest in index funds versus like the meditate on this grasshopper type of people who just (laughs) give platitudes like be yourself and put yourself out there. That doesn't have a place. But I found in my own searches, right. That having, something practical is the only way that I get it. Mm. And starting to talk about practical stuff for other people, I realized there's this whole sort of army of engineer-brained people out there who don't get it when you have to read between the lines. So we try to be as explicit as possible. And that's really tough in personal growth or self-help of any kind, because a lot of the principles are hard to articulate. So I spend all my time trying to digest complicated stuff and turn it into practical stuff for yeah. guys who are like, I don't want to read the Bhagavad Gita to find out I need to calm down. <laughs> like, <laughs> I want to get a strategy for calming down. And not that I'm interpreting complex scripture, but I'll have an expert on who might try to do that. And then I can yeah. dumb it down for the rest of us, like guys like me. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I mean, I'm for myself, like the last couple of years, it's just like I'm realizing how your inner game is so, so much more important to like yeah. for everything in life, when dating career, you know, especially in the artistic field, which mm-hmm. I want to talk to you more about. And because, you know, us artists are very, sometimes we be like yeah. reclusive and like just hide out. But in, in the world of making money with your art, you have to be out there and you have to like sell your art. You yeah. Know, it's just the reality. If you want to make a living doing it, Absolutely. So being out there, being social, you know, building relationships is huge. And so, yeah, it's not optional anymore. You're right. It's not. It, and if you're going to be a recluse, your studio slash home is one of the best places to probably be reclusive because this place is rad. <laughs> well, um, thank you. And nobody, and nobody else can appreciate it because we're just talking here on the audio only format. But the studio is amazing. You're, you're right. It what, One of the cores core principles that we teach at the art of charm is and this is especially vague and difficult to articulate is confidence because people say just be confident and it's like well yeah okay and should i just be taller also well how would that work (laughs) out i want to be a better basketball player listen man be taller and more athletic and you're good you know so people try to tell that to other folks just be yourself be confident and these things don't mean anything so you're right if you want to sell your art you 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 can be in the production business that's great but if you're a factory that produces the best widgets in the world and you don't have a salesman or any kind of way to distribute that to your customers, you're going to fail. Yeah. Imagine, what's that car company that went out of business that was competing with Tesla? You don't know, right? Because who cares? It's called Fisker, <laughs> by the way. Fisker. But, I never even heard of it. Yeah. But it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Actually, your friend Justin Bieber probably, I think he bought one and that was famous. <laughs> and they still went out of business. Even Justin Bieber couldn't help them stay in business. That's how bad they were at selling their product. Wow. But Tesla, a PR explosion. Elon Musk is this like magnetic force. I don't even, what is it? Tractor beam of a man. Yeah. Right? And he'll bring business to any venture that he does. There were plenty of PayPal competitors. There's plenty of Tesla were Tesla competitors, but you don't even know who they are. Yeah, who are they, right? Yeah. So inner game, I mean, so inner confidence and, and attraction is huge in getting business, getting getting whatever you want. What's the like what's the first place to start? I mean, say let's take for example, I'm a painter or somebody who's just kind of likes to keep to themselves sure. and you know, I don't know how to go about life. I want to get out, uh, but I don't know where to start. What's what's the first place? Yeah. So say you're in your awesome studio, just like airbrushing and paste, wheat pasting photographs <laughs> to canvas, right? And and 
you you don't like to leave because everybody comes to you and everybody comes to you to shoot. You still have to put yourself out there, which is a platitude I hate, right? I mentioned that same one before. You still have to get out there and sell. And a lot of people have this sort of, they're, they're, they're hearing me say this right now and they're cringing because they're like, ugh, networking, ugh, I don't want to sell things. My art should sell itself. And in many ways it will, but it still has to be presented, right? The peacock still has to present itself to the, to the females. Mm-hmm. And the, you don't have to do that in a cheesy, disgusting way. Because right now, if I say, well, networking and relationship development, there's a few people who are like, yeah, that's fun. I do that all the time. I go to parties and I show people my stuff and I, I make relationships with, I create a lot of friendships and those people, my stuff sells itself. I don't even need to listen to this. But 98% of the people listening right now, they're like, ugh, I don't want to have to network because their image is like, they're just flinging business cards in people's faces and they're like, hey, if you need a financial manager, give me a call. Or, hey, I'm a photographer. You should, if you ever need photos taken, here's my business card. Call me. I'll take pictures of your kids for Christmas. And, you know, oh, you look like a cute girl. I want to take pictures of you in my bedroom because that's not creepy. <laughs> right. So they, they hate doing that. The idea of that is really gross to them. And especially being somebody who's creative, like, the, your audience yeah. and I've more even recently realized that I actually am but I'd never thought about it because I'm like I'm just talking what's so creative about that <laughs> you know you have to actually you don't want to sit there and sort of it cheapens what you do right to go out there and be like you know you should check out this thing that I do yeah. and that's I agree with that feeling it does if you have to push it on people it does cheapen it but this the difference is we're not pushing our stuff on people we're just showing them because Right now, think about this. You might have the best photos around, and I, I think that you do, but if you don't, if people don't see it, they just see the loudmouth who's throwing his stuff in everyone else's face. So you're actually doing people a favor by being accessible, by telling your friends that, hey, if you know somebody who's serious about getting really great photos, I'd love referrals, not because you need the money and you're some broke guy living in your parents' basement in, you know, right, right. in, uh, in Queens or or. Brooklyn, well, we're actually in Brooklyn, and this is not your parents' basement, just for the record. Yeah, but you, you, ha- you're doing everyone a favor. If I'm looking for a photographer, and you're like, well, I don't want to tell him to use me because I don't want to have to sell, and I use some schlub, and I'm like, these are these are pretty weak. It looks like I got them taken at Sears, and I'm like <laughs> leaning on a ladder with like lasers behind me and fake smoke, like a la our middle school yearbook photos. That sucks. It sucks for my business. It sucks for me personally. If I'm trying to get a personal brand going, I want somebody like you to come out and be like, hey, you should do this. And if I got photos taken and I told Lewis Howes that I used another photographer, he would smack me upside the head and be like, why didn't you call Nick, you moron? These look like crap. <laughs> you know, and, and that's because he's selling for you because of the relationship that you have for him. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's so true. And I think, you know, going on with what you're saying, too, is that there is a charisma, you know, and, and I think the artists that do really succeed have some sort of charisma. Yes. I mean, there, there are the few, you know, like fine artists that somehow get some sort of, you know, trust and they get to make art and yeah. they don't have to talk to people. Sure. But, you know, look at all the musicians that really succeed. They're very charismatic and charisma comes from within. And, you know, you guys, you guys teach that. Yes. Um, what kind of things do you teach around charisma and creating attraction um, so that people are drawn to you? Well, speaking of vague concepts, so I'll, I'll, I'll give you something overarching that sounds really nebulous and then I'll break down and give some <laughs> practical stuff people can do. Because when I first started learning this stuff myself, it was really frustrating to hear people say, you just need to like create a convey an impression of confidence, like stuff like that bugs me, but I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) When 
when you first meet people, the first impression that you make is always going to be something nonverbal, right? And so the fine artists that you're talking about that are like reclusive little dudes and curl up in a little fetal position and paint something amazing, those guys are successful to your earlier point because some patron art snob or something <laughs> finds them <laughs> and goes, wow, this guy's not going to sell himself. If I become a patron of this person, it enhances my social image, my prestige, et cetera. Mm. That's kind of them winning the lottery. There's probably a million artists that are even better than that guy in that category, not that I can tell the difference, right. that are not selling themselves. They don't get discovered by somebody working at a cafe by stroke of luck, and they're, they're just poor. <laughs> they don't make any money. They don't sell anything. And yeah. there's also a reason that a lot of artists are only famous after they die, right? Right. And... So because of that scarcity and things like that. But so if you're creating that impression of yourself, that's poor, that's it's it's subconscious in humans. Right. We look and we judge people based on that. And no matter how nonjudgmental you can say you're being that nonverbal first impression is really what cements it. So if mm. you show up and you look you look hunched over, you look like you're, you're making bad eye contact, you're looking at the ground, you look tired, you look disheveled in some way. It might not be, I might not look at that person and go, look at that disheveled mess. Look at this guy. He clearly can't show up on time and do the job and things he produces aren't as desirable as someone else. No, it's, it's evolutionary psychology, mm. right? We're designed to make snap judgments based on the way that people look. And it's not just the clothes that they're wearing. It's not just their facial expressions. It's the way their body is carrying itself and things like that. Because we're, we're wired for flight or fight, Right or fight or flight, right? Yeah. <laughs> One of the two, doesn't right. matter which comes first. And so when we look at these different things and that we expand them into the, the human psyche, we can see like, okay, well, when you first see someone, you make judgments about all kinds of things, whether they're a threat, that's the first thing. But beyond that, we really get subconscious. So, uh, one of the things that I do in, in one of the talks that I'm giving this year, and I guess I'll just ruin it for those who, the percentage who listen to this and will see this talk, <laughs> is uh, I'm wearing a fake sleeve of tattoos. And I'm going to give the talk with short sleeve button down shirt on or like a nice shirt. And I'll say, I'll say a bunch of generalities and, and talk a lot and be like, people judge you based on this. And there's always people in the audience who look at tattoos and go, tisk. This guy, you know, he doesn't have good foresight. He doesn't have good vision. You know, I would never get that. Tattoos are short-sighted. There's people who think that. And then there's other people who go, this guy's cool. He's like edgy, gets it. You know, he's not uptight and stuck up. And then, of course, when I take the sleeve off in the middle of the talk, their perceptions all kind of change, mm. right? The people who judge you subconsciously for being a moron and having a full sleeve of tattoos and what must his mother think, they're like, oh, wow, okay, I... All right. And you can feel your perceptions change too. It's like wow. when you think someone is just a cab driver, like on my way here, I was like, this guy's a cabbie. You know, I, I guess I'll have a small talk conversation. Turns out he was a civil engineer back in Haiti. So I'm like, wow, this wow. guy's smarter, obviously, than your average bear. And then he goes, yeah, this is the book I wrote. Hands me back a business card with like a really nice full color photograph of something. And he's like, yeah, I wrote a book about old Haitian civilization architecture and i'm like why are you driving this cab <laughs> right and you can do all that type of you can do that perception switch non-verbally mm. and what what i hope to prove by doing that little gimmick in the middle of my talk is the fact that you no matter what you think if you're judging some, if you think i don't judge people by any of that stuff i take all comers equally 
you will actually feel yourself shift. Your perceptions will actually shift in the middle of that talk. Mm. And you'll go, oh, wait a minute. I totally do that. No one's going to see me take off a full sleeve of tats and go, oh, I feel the same way about this person. There's going to be a shift in perception in everyone. And what that, sh- what that says is that you are doing that even if you're the type of person who's tried their whole life not to be that guy. Yeah. Does that make sense? Makes total sense. Yeah. Makes total sense. So in that respect, like what, you know, how can we create that perception that we want to put up, portray mm-hmm. to people before we even enter a room or enter, you know, whatever it is from our appearance to our body language, like, what do you recommend on, on how to make decisions on how to, to put that out there? Yeah. It's, it's trickier than it sounds because a lot of people, they don't want to be fake, right? And I, I 100% agree with that. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are going, well, how do, who, screw this guy. He's trying to teach me to be somebody I'm not. I'm an artist. This, who I am is what makes me creative and what I do. And, you know, I don't want to listen to this. And I, I get that argument 100%. This is a subtractive process. And what I mean by that is a lot of the, like, pickup guys or, like, pickup artisty guys that I don't really like. I don't like their material and, granted, I started with a lot of that and found a better way, I think. They're additive, right? So they're going, hey, man, you need like a light-up belt buckle and you need 87 rings and a T-shirt that has an equalizer on it with batteries. And if that's something that you're into, like if you're Skrillex, dude, go for it, man. You're an artist. You wear a lot of cool stuff. If I wore that to get the attention of girls, it would you'd be like, that's lame, right? You wear it because you like it. Yeah, That's who you are. If mm-hmm. I did that, if I tried to dress and... and have what you have, I would just look, I would look inauthentic because it would be. And so there's a lot to be said for the subtractive process. You're not adding things to, to yourself because you want people to think you're cool. This is a natural expression of who you are. Mm. If I'm doing things and the motivation behind it is I want people to notice me, I want people to think I'm cool and artistic, there's a big difference in that. And of course, people listening are going, what's the difference? If it's all nonverbal, who cares if I'm wearing 80 bracelets because it's an expression of who I am or because I want people to like it? The difference is this is all affected. This all affects the way that you behave and your mindsets are affected by this. And of course, your beliefs affect your actions, which affect your results. And that bears repeating. So your beliefs affect your actions, which affect your results. So your belief is I like to be expressive, I'm an artist. I like to show people that because it's fun. It's this is who I am. So you put on cool rings and bracelets and stuff like that. If I'm going, I want girls to think I'm interesting and I put on bracelets and rings, I'm going to act differently based upon that than you would just being yourself, being normal without having an agenda behind it. You don't have an agenda really behind things that you wear. You just see them and you're like, that's cool and it fits who I am. If I'm looking for something like, girls will think I'm tough if I wear a skull ring, that's a different mindset. (laughs) And, And I know people are still trying to wrap their head around the difference. The difference is, If you're continually doing that, you're building a persona that's not actually authentic and it's not actually you. Yeah. So if if you and I are talking about something and you're like, you know, I'm feeling really insecure about this, you know, this girl seems out of my league or something like that, and we're talking, you're being vulnerable. I would probably share an experience where I felt the exact same way and I would try to give you advice or something based on that same experience or or whatever you needed as a friend. Mm -hmm. If if I'm doing this, if I have all these jewelries and, and different things because I want people to like me, I'm not going to be able to share stuff like that because my persona is different than who I really am. I'm putting on a social mask, mm. which makes it kind of impossible for me to be vulnerable and, and authentic with other people. Yeah. And if the whole goal 
is to connect with people and develop real relationships and real connections, it becomes even more difficult if I have all this additive stuff. Yeah. And it's not just jewelry. It's I use that because it's a very tangible example and it's right in front of me. What a lot of these inauthentic, especially pickup artisty type guys are doing who are trying to achieve the same goal is they're making up stories. They've got fake lines and things that they say that make them sound cool. And then who you are just gets further and further away because you're pushing mm. it into the background. Yeah. We want to, at the Art of Charm, we want to bring all that stuff to the foreground because that's what makes people interesting. Yeah. Muting your personality or trying to polish a turd or spray paint over it. I mean, imagine spray painting <laughs> a rusted fence. What happens? It flakes off and then the rust and nasty yeah. stuff is underneath. Yeah, yeah. You have, to, you have to scrape off the rust. It's a lot more painful. It's a lot more difficult because... Being vulnerable and open and authentic with people opens you up to rejection, and rejection can hurt. A lot of guys, and girls for that matter, try to steal themselves to that by just putting on a muted personality. They try to shut down everything that might be considered a vulnerability and cover it with excessive makeup, jewelry, cool t-shirts that light up, whatever your, your, (laughs) your thing is to cover your insecurity. Money is a popular one in New York. Right, guys will try to cover their insecurities with money. And then the problem is once you find out that doesn't work, you're in for a nasty, nasty surprise. I used to work on Wall Street and I saw this firsthand. Oh wow. Guys who have money and are like, girls should like me. When a girl is like, eh, I'm more interested in the artsy Nick Onkin types, the guy will freak out. He will freak out. He's, you know, he's upset. He might call her names, he might make her life more difficult. If she breaks up with him, it's like it doesn't compute. He's like, wait a minute. I worked 15, 20 years to get here. You don't, you're supposed to like this. This is what's supposed to work in my favor. And when it doesn't, it's really upsetting. And the same thing can happen if you're like, but I have all these cool stories or I have this cool business I started for people to like me. I've been a promoter for 10 years to try to get girls to like me. Once it stops working for you, you will, you'll get depressed because it's a really gnarly puncture right through the heart. And so when we bring these things out into the foreground and you have that positive interaction with everybody because you're because of the authenticity you are going to be much happier and it's it's the stress level the baseline level of stress in your life will will shrink considerably yeah i can totally attest to that i mean over the last year and a half i mean since i guess we've probably even known each other i've gone through a whole kind of internal shift. And I think the, one of the big things I realized was what you're exactly talking about. It's, is that it's that distinction between doing something because you, it's what you love mm-hmm. and doing something because you need the validation. And right. I think that's a very big contrast in creativity and art. And, you know, it's like the people that want to be rock stars versus the people that just love making music. Yes, exactly. Why do you want to be a musician? Well, I want to meet girls. And Gre- it, it, it's totally cool. Whoa, did that get recorded? No. Okay. It's totally cool if you picked up a guitar when you were 15 or 16 because you were like, chicks are going to love it. That's fine. It's something that happened back then, if you just have a love for music now, it's fine. It's totally, it doesn't matter. Your initial motivations for getting started matter far less than your current motivations for doing something. So if you're, if you're a guy who got into photography because you're like, dude, I'm going to meet tons of hot chicks and want their picture taken, and now you just love photography, don't worry about, don't reverse engineer, don't go back to age you know, 17 when you picked up a camera and be like, I'm being inauthentic and cry <laughs> yourself to sleep for the next month. You don't have to do that. But it, you do look, need to look at your motivations now. Like, are you... And, and this kind of goes to, for anybody, artist or not, if you're stuck in a job or you feel stuck in a job, but you're like, well, I need the money, 
do you really need it? Would you be happier doing something else? Well, yeah, I would, but the girls that I meet, they need this, do they? Because there's plenty of girls that don't need that. Hmm. And maybe you'd be happier with one of them. And these are uncomfortable questions that we have a lot of guys at the Art of Charm asking themselves. And they can be, it can be kind of harsh. Yeah. Because you might look at your life and look at yourself and go, geez, the girl I'm dating right now is not a good fit. The job I'm in right now is not a good fit. The city I live in right now is not a good fit. I need to move, get a new job, and find a whole new circle of friends who aren't just the same people doing what I'm doing. That's a pretty daunting proposition for somebody to kind of, you wake up one day and and you have that realization, it's tough, and we expedite that process Mm. at AOC. It's something that a lot of people might take 10, 15 years to do. The problem is if you do it that long, you're married to the girl who's not a good fit for you. You have two houses. You need that job that you don't like to pay for. You've got kids who are being raised in that environment. We call it the golden handcuffs Mm. on Wall Street because you go, my life sucks. Well, you know what? I'll buy a house in the Hamptons. That'll that'll change things. (laughs) And And my wife will love it. So she loves it. And then she wants a boat. Or you want a boat because that'll help you do things better, yeah. right? And so now you have all these bills. You can't leave Wall Street, man. You can't start to become a photographer, even if that's what you love and you're getting paid $10,000 a month to do it because you need $40,000 a month to pay for all your crap. Right. Those are handcuffs, whether or not they're golden or not. Yeah. You know? So it's a lot about living below your means. Mm. I mean, yeah, or just finding out early... As, as early as possible, what really makes you happy. And for a lot of creative types listening to this, they're going, I love to be creative, but you know, I have to do X, Y, and Z because I have to get money to do this. Now, granted, if you need money to pay rent and your photography is not doing that for you yet, or your music isn't, that's part of, that's part of life. But focusing on what's really going to make you happy. If, if playing music is going to make you happy. You don't need to work 40 hours a week at something you hate. You can work 20 at something that maybe you don't like as much, and then you can focus on that other stuff. Yeah. That's a tough choice to make because society tells you completely otherwise. Yeah. They tell you, you know, when I quit Wall Street to work at the Art of Charm, my parents were cool about it, but I could tell they were secretly like, oh my God, I hope he doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't fail, and he's like heartbroken. And my mom literally told me, so just in case uh, anything goes wrong, you, you know, you can live at home for a maximum of three months. And then after that, you're out of here. Not that that's going to happen. I'm sure everything's going to be fine. <laughs> but you can't live here for more than three months, just so you know. And I was like, I'm not planning on moving home anytime <laughs> soon. Don't worry. But also, it kind of burns the ships for you, yeah. you know, so you have to succeed. And that doesn't work for everybody. I don't necessarily recommend that. But I think that if you look at what makes you truly happy and what makes what energizes you you have to really scrutinize those motivations because music might make you happy and i'm putting air quotes up that no one can see (laughs) music might make you happy but is it the attention from other people when you play a gig that really makes you happy or are you just as happy playing in your garage Mm. with no one listening because if if it's the validation from other folks that's making you happy you need to figure out why that's the case Will it ever be enough? And is music the best way to get that? Like mm. you, you might just want to be a bartender. That might work better for you. You know? Yeah. yeah. That's, I mean, those are some good questions to ask. And that just actually leads me to the next question, which is like, a, it's a two part a, cause it sounds like you left your job and wall street because you were feeling some sort of discontent. Yes. Right. So a, what are those signs and like, what questions can you ask yourself to really like, take the deeper cut and figure out if that's something that you want to move on to or yeah. move out of, you know, your current situation. It's like, what's, what, 
what questions can you ask to like, like better define that discontent? Yeah, that that's a really good question. Looking back with perfect 2020 hindsight, like everyone else, right? <laughs> when I went to college, I didn't know what I was going to do. And I know I'm not alone in that. I went to college because that's what you do after high school, man. You go to college, at least where I grew up. That's, that was what you did. So I went to college and I had a cool like thing that my dad bought when I was a baby that like pays for your whole university if you go in state at Michigan. Mm. So I was like, great. So I go to Michigan and I'm like, that was cool. What do I do now? And I, this is 19 or this is 2003. And I'm like, great. I'm going to go get a job now or something. And my girlfriend's still in college and uh, I don't really know what I'm going to do, but I need a temporary job while I look for other jobs. This is not a good strategy, but I went to Best Buy hmm. and all of these people were getting rejected from Best Buy. And then I got the job sort of, but they were like, you're on a restricted basis and you can only work two days a week. And I'm like, Dude, I have a degree from the University of Michigan. I speak like two languages besides English, and I can't even sell CDs full time. <laughs> I am screwed. So I, I had like this panic reaction and applied to graduate schools of all different types just to see if I would get in. And I got into law schools, and I ended up through a process getting into Michigan law, which is a good law school. And of course, what did people say? Oh, man, you got into Michigan law. You have to go. This is a really good school. You have to, you'd be a fool not to go. So now I'm going to law school, which is an expensive proposition, very difficult, and based on a trade I know nothing about mm -hmm. because I had nothing else to do. Like, mm. let that sink in. Right? I had nothing else to do. So I graduate from law school. I work my butt off with a bunch of people who are smarter than me, get a good job on Wall Street due to networking connections, didn't ever want to be a lawyer, end up going to work in a tough legal environment doing financial law, which isn't even like the interesting part of law that you see on television. This is like the boring check for commas and documents, draft these briefs type of law, check for things on property maps because I was doing real estate. Mm. And then when I left that, because the Art of Charm was taking off and the economy was tanking, a lot of these people who'd worked their whole life to get where I was at that point were like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? There's no jobs anymore. What are you talking about? We're done here. We have to get new jobs at another firm. Jeez. A lot of them never got reemployed or they had to start over. A lot of the partners had to start over. It was awful. And I was just like, thank God I got out of there. But I look back now and I go, wait a minute. I never wanted to go to law school. I just, and I never even wanted to go to college. I just had to, because that was what you do. I never wanted to go to law school. I never wanted to be a lawyer. I landed on my feet because I started doing something I was interested in, which was the Art of Charm podcast, teaching people the same skills that I'd learned the hard way uh, at the Art of Charm with, with my team and stuff. And that was the only thing that ended up saving me was being able to ramp that business up. Mm. But if you look at what you are doing now to survive, is that consuming you or are you using it as a means to do something that you would like. And and so I'm saying like, make your current job your bitch, right? Like that thing shouldn't <laughs> own you. It's a, it's a means to make a living. Yeah. Is it a career or is it a job that you're doing until you can make a career that you're actually interested in? And finding your passion is tough, but I assume I don't have to teach your audience how to do that. Cause one, I don't really know how. And two, I think everyone listening is probably really passionate about something that's not their job. Yeah. And that's why they're listening to your show in the first place. Yeah. I love that. Make your job your bitch. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. so good. Because like I was working a lot, right? And as you do on Wall Street, you're working constantly. And there were other people there who were always outworking me because that was their career. Me, luckily, I had the foresight to go, listen, this is a two-year thing at the most. And then I'm going to magically figure out what I want to do. 
and I'll be done with law. So I didn't feel bad about like not working the extra 12 hour Sunday that was quote unquote optional. Cause I'm like, if they fire me, it'll be like the best thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> so that is what actually got me into the networking and people skill set in the first place, mm. because I realized I can never outwork somebody who's willing to sacrifice their whole life for this job. Yeah. I, I will never be able to outwork them. The only way that I can get ahead is by being better with people, bringing in business, something like that. And that's a skill set that's more rare than just being a workhorse who can bill the most hours. Yeah. So I, that was a coincidental focus that I found through the, through my Wall Street experience. Mm -hmm. But I think most people never really realize that they're too focused on like grinding. And then you wake up when you're 40 and you're like, I hate myself, you know? <laughs> yeah, that, that just sounds like the worst thing. It's the ever. worst. It's the worst. Yeah. And, you know, and, and in terms of like making your job your bitch, yeah. it's like, you know, you either, you either own your life or you rent your life. Right. And, you know, when you're renting it, you're just a slave. You're yes. Just a slave to what you've your job or yeah. whatever it is. But if you own it, you make it your bitch, then it's not even, you're just using it as a tool. Yes. You're using it as something to get to another space. Exactly. And I don't want people to be like, easy for you to say to young like entrepreneurs who basically won the success lottery because you got a lot of good opportunities. I agree with that argument in some respects. Like we've probably, you and I both have had a lot of luck and called it skill because that's what it looks like up close <laughs> or from a distance anyway. Uh, but if you're working really hard because you want to move up in your career, the, one of the questions going back to your, your question was ask yourself, do I really want to move ahead in this career? Or am I just trying to make more money? Do I want more security? Why am I working so hard at this mm. job? Is it be, if you're really in love with the law, you love transactional stuff, or if you're somebody who's just like, listen, I don't care what I'm doing. I need to work hard and build security for my family because uh, I've got friends who are still working in law and they're like, listen, I'm responsible for my sister's healthcare, my parents' healthcare, my sister's kids, cause they're poor and myself and my wife and my kids. Okay. You're sacrificing yourself for them. That's noble in a lot of ways. Go for it. If you're doing it cause you're like, I need a really nice car and an, an apartment in Manhattan so I can get girls. You need to reexamine that harsh because any, any person that's focusing on that is something that's necessary probably isn't somebody who's going to be a good match for you and make you happy long-term. And what, that's the recipe for waking up when you're 40 and being like, what the hell? Yeah. So, but yeah, make it your bitch. It's a tool. If you get a great paying job and you're not really interested in it and you want to do something else, you can excel and be excellent in that without turning your whole life over to it. Yeah. Or use it as a stepping stone and say, oh, here's my timeline. I'm right. going to do this for two years, like you said, yeah. like you did. I didn't even make it two years, but yeah, <laughs> like that, that wasn't all of my choice. Yeah. Get, like the market downturn was the best thing that ever happened because it forced me, it like, what's it like pushed me out of the airplane, yeah. right? I wasn't going to jump because I was like, I worked too hard to get here. The money's good. Yeah. And here we are making more than the partners at the firm doing something I actually appreciate. And that's actually giving value to the world instead of just like shuffling papers around and screwing over poor people, which is what Wall Street really is. <laughs> Gnarly, you know, <laughs> not to, not to, not to put too fine a point on it, but you know, I was doing mortgage backed securities, which are like the subprime mortgages that screwed over the economy. And I didn't know I was like 27. So don't write me any hate mail, but <laughs> you, you know, you, you take those and you mash them into a little ball, metaphorically speaking, and you sell stock based on those, yeah. those things and those fail. And then those huge banks go under and then they get bailed out by the government. But like, that, I, that's what I was doing. I mean, talk about the opposite of creating something of value. Right. That was it. Right. That was it. 
Yeah, and it's interesting because you go into, I think it's like really making that key distinction in your mind, whether you're doing something for egoic validation reasons or you're doing it because you actually truly love it from an authentic place. Yes. And I think the more you, and this is for me, like the last couple of years, I've been really working on getting to a more authentic space. And I mean, you could, you work with so many people and you can tell like, it takes a lot of deep work to really like start peeling off the layers yeah. and the, the limiting beliefs and all this stuff that keep us from our authentic self, which is where we really actually shine. Yes. Yeah. You shine when you're hate the word phrase being yourself. Cause it's, it doesn't mean anything, but when you're really stripping away all those layers of the onion, all the like brown flaky dry stuff and you get down to the white stuff, the like the tasty yeah. stuff, depending on how you feel about onions, that's, <laughs> that's you being authentic. Right. But it's tough because you peel away one layer of that stuff and you're like, Oh, this is what, if you've never seen an onion before, you might bite into that flaky, dry stuff, and you're like, ugh, why do people like these? Mm-hmm. And then you peel off a couple layers of that, and you're like, oh, the whole onion is just this stuff, yeah. right? But then you keep peeling, and you're like, oh, there's this weird greenish layer underneath. I'm starting to get somewhere. And then you peel enough of that off, and there's that white stuff. If you, and I'm making up this analogy as I go along, so pardon me if it's clumsy, but once you get down there, you're like, oh, this is what an onion really is but you don't even know that and it's the same way with yourself if you're working in this job you might be thinking no this is great and i am being myself this is phenomenal i I love everything that i'm doing i'm having fun and and then you think about it a little more you peel some of the layers you go well i'm having fun because of the relationships that i made i I got a cool girl and i've got great friends but the job is kind of the least part of it and then you go well wait a minute i don't really need this car and you're sort of peeling away the layers i don't really need to live where i live in this place i'm never even at home i'm working all the time and you go you know i really just like to take pictures of things when i'm traveling and so you're peeling that and then you maybe you quit your job and you're between jobs you get let go and you go i'm going to go away for a month and that whole month you're taking pictures of cool stuff traveling and you're like wait a minute i'm not a friggin lawyer I'm a photographer, man. I'm a travel photographer. This is what I love doing. And you're putting them up on the, the web and people are like, this is amazing. You know, you're in the wrong business. That's how you find the, those passionate things and those things that eventually, and the trick, of course, is in monetizing it. That's a different show, right? Yeah. A um, different ballgame. A whole different ballgame. But once you get to that point, you start to realize, wait a minute, I'm, I'm more my hobby than I am my job. And when you can marry the two, that's, that's, that's pretty blissful. Yeah. But I think most people spend so much time hiding one and going, well, you can't just do this forever. This is just some childish thing. You start to bury that authentic self and you're putting, you're just busy mashing dry flaky layers back on that onion. Yeah. And I mean, that's, you know, you're, you're going, you know, just from our previous conversation aside, you're kind of, your new vision is to like, how do you make positive change and, and internal development, personal development, I don't want to say mainstream, but like more of like a movement. Yeah. Like make it cool. Yeah. Make it cool. Make it. And so, you know, A, how are you doing that? I know your podcast, you're getting what you said, 60,000. Yeah. Per episode. So it's It's 1.1 million downloads per month is what the show's getting, like all of the back catalog, which is actually, which is like, I never pictured that happening. And when I look in the iTunes top 50 or top 100 to see the show there, our crappy show art icon what needs redoing. <laughs> it's like the coolest feeling ever. And I do check iTunes like every five minutes when I'm at home working because it's just like, I still can't believe it sometimes. Um, and it's, it's tough because yeah, you're, like you said, the goal is, you know, the green movement used to be like really lame. Like, Oh, recycling ads ah, for hippies. Like who does that now? 
how old are you? 30, 36. 36. I'm 35 almost. If you don't recycle, if you, what do you think of somebody who doesn't recycle? Like you see somebody like throw a tin can in the garbage or a glass. You're like, what are you doing? Yeah. You can recycle. And I'm not a agree- I'm not a hippie at all, but it's still like, why are you wasting that? You're weird. Well, no, it's funny. Actually, sometimes my guys throw paper cups into the garbage can. I'm like, yeah. what are you guys doing? Yeah. Like that can be, that can be recycled, man. Yeah. And, and I'm far from. I'm far from, I used to, for God's sake, I used to work on Wall Street. I'm one of the most wasteful people probably around. But if you throw glass in the garbage, I'm going to have a weird itch somewhere in the back of my brain that's like, I got to get that thing out of there later when no one's looking. And that's what I want to do. That's what the Art of Charm team wants to do for sort of the personal growth movement. I hate the word self-help because it sounds like you're broken and weird yeah. and you're trying to like self-medicate oh, or something. I hate it too. It's, it's awkward. Um, but alas, the iTunes categories are forever. So, <laughs> so we're trying to make that cool and mainstream in a lot of ways by saying, listen, it's not all like stand up and shout, I can do it. I can, I can be who I want to be. You don't have to do that weird, cheesy stuff, but you can start to optimize your productivity. You can start to wake up and do gratitude things to make you happier. That's science backed stuff that makes you happier. Not something that some guy invented in a yoga studio in Berkeley that he tried once and decided (laughs) is now the new way of life for everyone. Stuff that is scientifically backed that makes you healthier, that makes you stronger, that makes you stronger of mind, especially that makes you more productive. If we can inch people towards that, even the most diehard wall street money grubbing investment banker, a hole, right? will go, this is making me more money. I like it. And once you start to go down that rabbit hole of optimizing your life, that's when you're in a position to start asking these really tough questions because you're really good at cutting through the crap. And when yeah. you can do that in your own brain mm-hmm. and you can start to become really authentic even with yourself and stop lying to yourself, you start to figure out what's going to really make you happy as a person. And that becomes much more important than pretty much everything else. Yeah. Well, and it goes, it actually goes into the law of attraction where, you know, you, you create more of an authentic inner happy space, if, like authentically happy. Mm-hmm. Right. You're starting, like I noticed for myself, I've attracted more, th- better, bigger things into my life just from like a way of being. Right. And a way of understanding. And I fit, you know, that's what you guys teach. Yeah, there. absolutely. And it's not some like, Oh, law of attraction, this magical crap. It's not It's not magic. A lot of people think that it's some sort of universal, like the stars are like beaming Ferraris into my driveway. <laughs> it's not It's not that at all. But it's if you're looking, think about this, just at a very base level. If you're being authentic and you're looking at, you're asking yourself the tough questions. Let's, let's define being authentic as asking yourself tough questions and acting based on the answers. If you're looking at something and you're like, that's not really going to make me happy. There's not really a value add there. I don't really like that. I'm not going to engage in it just because other people think I should, whether that's just, no matter what that is, let's say the pursuit of money, Wall Street style. If you can get rid of that, you can eschew that, right? Mm -hmm. Then, yeah, you're naturally going to start to gravitate towards things that are are making you happy. Like, what if you really love taking pictures? That's probably how you got started doing this. you you looked at, well, I don't know your origin story. I should probably ask you before I just make <laughs> something up. But when you, when you start doing something like that, you start to go, I like this. I like this enough that I'm going to forego other opportunities and pursue this. Mm-hmm. And that's a tough choice to make, especially as an adult. Mm-hmm. If you start taking pictures when you're 12 or 15 or before you have any like real responsibilities, yeah. it's probably easier to go down that road than going, I've been doing this for 30 years. I hate it. It yeah. sucks. So... Being able to attract those things and filter those things in, it, it really comes down to a lot of like tough questions and self-honesty right. versus 
the universe conspiring to give you happy things in your life. <laughs> you really have to force yourself through tough times and tough decisions and sacrifice to get there. That's yeah. the real law of attraction in practice. Totally. So now you're, you guys are, you started out working with men or guys for the most part, but now women are starting to come and, you know, listen to your, your podcast. And I'm sure the new vision, the new direction is going to appeal to everyone. Yes. Um, it, at first glance, the show looks really dating heavy and there's a lot of guys lifestyle stuff in there. And I don't mean like, you know, bikini clad females or anything, but it was geared towards men. And honestly, the show will probably always be geared towards men. I'm not I'm not that inclusive, but I'm also not going to be like, women can't listen to this because it's for bros. That's not the case at all. I just think the advice and tips and lifestyle stuff for guys out there is mostly unhealthy. Mm -hmm. It's mostly bro crap, like, check out this chick's boobs in this magazine. <laughs> we, you know, that's not healthy necessarily. It's not, it's not even unhealthy. It's just a waste of time yeah. for most people. And so this is kind of like the really delicious broccoli and Brussels sprouts mm -hmm. of of men's personal growth versus like Maxim's top 10 chicks or tips to get the chicks that you want. Right. There's no good advice for guys. So we try to replace that. But if women are listening and they're, which they are, and they're going, I love this show on negotiation or persuasion or uh, health or whatever. I'm not going to be like, stop listening to my show. God, <laughs> you know that I, I love the female fans. In fact, somehow ironically, they're our biggest supporters because guys are like, Hey man, um, there's this show I listen to and the friend's like, that's gay, bro. And then they're like, oh, I'm never telling anyone again. And women are like, this show's amazing. And other girls are like, thanks. I can't believe you told me about this. How have I not known about this? And they're sharing it with everybody. They're telling all the guys in their life. And the guy's like, I don't need this. Self-help is lame. And then they just like never <laughs> listen again. And then secretly go back and download it. And it's like stashed in the annals of their iPod. Right. Women have no ego attached to this stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. that's that's what's really healthy. They don't guys somehow if someone helps us with something we're like, "Damn it, I don't want anybody to know that I got help or tips or advice from this." Yeah. And women are like, "I want to tell everybody so everybody can be improved with this tips and advice just cuz it's like we're just wired differently." So, yeah. Uh, so, but I mean if you look at it too, like I mean, culturally it's not as cool or acceptable for men to be into this stuff. It's but, not. You know, but it, on the flip side, what if what if it was a bigger movement that where women were like, oh man, I love guys that are like into like yeah, developing themselves and yeah. becoming a better, more optimized human from an authentic place. I mean, I'm sure every most women want that. Yes, definitely. Well, that's one of the emails I get most frequently is, oh my gosh, you need to have every guy listen to the show, and I'm thinking. Sure. Can you help me with that? You know, because these great women write in and they're like, I'm this. A lot of them are like actresses and some of them are celebrities or like fitness trainers that are smart and doctors and things like that. These really desirable women are like, I can't find guys anywhere. Yeah. Where, where can I meet men who have taken your class and learned this stuff and who listen to your show? And I'm, I'm like, well, God, I, they're everywhere, but it's tough because women are constantly filtering for that. And it's very tough to find because even guys that are into it, there a lot of them are a lot of us, I should say, I shouldn't just point at everybody else. A lot of us are still sort of like, mm, I don't want her to know that I'm into like all this fine tuning of myself because somehow it seems like you shouldn't have to do that. And yet women are actively looking for guys that are trying to be the best version of themselves. And meanwhile, us guys are too busy trying to hide that. Yeah. That fact 
from all these really desirable <laughs> women. So it's really, it's like this weird miscommunication between the sexes. And uh, it's too bad because there's a lot of amazing women out there that can't find guys that are constantly growing, which is one of the things that smart people look for in a partner. Yeah. I know that's what I want. I mean, that's what I'm looking for is, yeah. is somebody who can come alongside me, you know, a girl that we could build something with. And it's funny. I was, <laughs> I was like, I was talking to Usher the other day. Yeah. And we were having this conversation. He's like, what are you waiting for? I was like, I, I want a woman with zest. Yeah. Zest, zest for life. So a woman that's creating our moments and creating our life. And that's what you said or that's what he said? I said. Yeah. Yeah. And did you ask him the same question? Well, he's, he's got a woman that oh, okay. pretty much fits all of that. Got it. Um, and she's amazing. She's, she's one of the coolest women on the planet. Yeah. And so we just had this like good life conversation about that. And it, and it was so true. It actually made, made me realize how much that's something that I appreciate as somebody who's always wanting to create a better life, create, create a better version of themselves. Yeah, definitely. And into personal development and, I even hate that term personal yeah, development. Yeah, there's no good so term like, for it. Ugh. Yeah. But there's no good term for you it. You know, improving your inner game is so um so important and from a from an internal space, you know, we're all attracted to somebody who has that charm, right? You know? And the art of charm, which is what you guys teach, you know, I guess first of all, or define charm because that's something that's Yeah. you know, it's a little out there it's tough to answer because there's a lot of cool poetic answers on the internet that i found that are not useful um but honestly personal magnetism is one of the it's sort of a multifaceted approach right it's not like a cool phrase i can dish out i wish i had one but personal magnetism and charisma for sure mm -hmm. the ability to be self-confident and authentic mm -hmm. right and i think if you can combine those things you have you have what what is the essence of of what at least our definition of charm because it's not just like Oh, opening doors and like knowing which is the salad fork. It's beyond that, right? It's, it's how do you interact with other people? How do they experience you? How do you show up to the world? And I know that's one of those woo woo vague things. How do you show up to other people? How do they, how do you appear to them? Yeah. Are you authentic and honest with yourself? Are you authentic and honest with others? Those are the essences of charm because it takes a really strong man to be vulnerable and authentic with other people, especially those who he's just met. And it's the opposite of what a lot of people think when they think of, there's this whole thing on the internet, well, it's probably everywhere, but it's like alpha male, like tough guys, non-emotional, they have everything in check, you know, other people respect them, and it's sort of this like movement among guys, but it's really just these massively insecure dudes lifting weights all day and trying to become better so that other people finally approve of them. And when you get down to basics, they're all just dudes that were like bullied as kids, haven't ever really gotten through that, haven't ever really been sort of through the the tough questions the, and sort of the growth in that area. So they just sort of cover, it's that mask. I'm going to cover it up with muscles and protein shakes and like cool, you know, tats and guns and whatever else these yeah. quote unquote alpha dudes are doing. And they're posting all this hateful crap on the internet. And you look at that and you go, these aren't happy people, right? Because this is not strength, right? Yeah. They're not vulnerable. They're putting up that wall because that's what they need to do based on all the pain they've experienced in the past. But if you want to signal to a healthy emotional partner that you're not damaged, that you're ready for growth and that you're ready to couple up with somebody else who has their own needs and wants and, and has a lot to offer, being as open as possible is really the only way to do that. Mm. But that's easier said than done. You need to be able to be strong enough 
to lower the shield. You can't fake that part. Yeah. You can try, but then you're just telling fake stories about the cat you rescued from a fire that one day, and eventually that all comes crumbling down <laughs> on your head. Yeah. So charm is the ability to be open and authentic with other people, vulnerable with other people, and focus on developing strength in areas where you don't have it and constantly be be, be doing that for yeah. yourself and for your future significant other if you're a guy it's for your wife and your kids there's no more there's no nobler cause than making yourself a better man for the women in your life and for your future children yeah. if you can think of one yeah let me know <laughs> yeah i love that man it's it's so true i mean it, it truly is an art yeah you know yeah. something that you have to develop and be creative with and uh, we try to put as much science behind that as we can. I guess that's what we really do. We try to put the science behind the art of charm. Yeah, you guys got to check it out, theartofcharm.com. Uh, Jordan's got so many great guests uh, on the show. I mean, I've, I've listened to your podcast for a few years now. Oh, awesome. And always love it. Always love it. So it's kind of actually funny to like... Yeah. I guess, I guess now that I have a podcast, it's the same thing, but like... You know, watching you coming and you know when I hang out with you outside, it's like yeah. listening to your voice, and you're like, "Wait, this is like radio, right?" It's, it's such a str- <laughs> it's just such a strange, strange thing. But now we're actually on the radio together. Yeah, it's fun. So. It's cool. I get that all the time. Though I'll call someone on the phone and I'll you know talk about our programs, and they're like slow to react. I'm like, "Yeah, take your time." And they're like, "Oh God, I'm not used to answering the questions that you ask because." It's never me talking with them. They're usually overhearing my conversation with someone else. <laughs> it's, so it's, it's such a trip. It'll be like silence on the other end of the line. Hello? Oh, yeah. Sorry, man. I forgot your... This is a phone call, not a podcast. <laughs> it's so strange. So what would you say like is a very big or the biggest key to building relationships? So again, and I hate to sound like a broken record, but it, it does come down to the authenticity component again. And that's one of the reasons that that's so important, right? Is because if I want to be... If I want to be friends with you, which, you know, we are friends, but let's assume that I'm, we're just meeting and I'm like, this person's cool and they fit into like my view of what a good friend should be, like creative, fun to be around, um, comfortable giving, you know, advice and things like that, like bounce stuff off you, you'll be honest with me. I have to be the same way. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to do that if I'm obsessed with what you think about me at any point in time. If I'm constantly trying to manage your perception of me, and we've all met people like this, right? Where I'm like, oh, well, if, if, if I seem down, I got to figure out a way to get around there. I got to put on fake energy because I don't want Nick to think that I'm like some kind of loser or something like that. So I got to rent a cool car and show up in that. And I got to have cool clothes on all the time because otherwise you know, people might think that I'm not cool for a second and that would be devastating to my image that I'm trying to portray. And, you know, I'm sure you hang out, well, I know you hang out with some really like high, like A-list folks. They probably care way less or way more depending on the situation about what other people are perceiving them. Sometimes it's business. So they got to show up looking dapper, fresh, down to the down to the T. But I bet when you hang out with somebody behind the scenes, they're like, screw it. They throw on a bathrobe and they lounge around with their <laughs> dirty ass, like unshaven face and sit around and have a, a Pabst blue ribbon out of a can and no one's taking pictures of them. So it's fine. Yeah. Right. And that's authenticity in the, in the truest sense of the word. And I bet you that if you talk to some of the celebrity folks that you're able to hang out with, they value that probably higher than anything mm-hmm. because that's the rarest commodity 
in the circles where they are yeah. because everybody wants something from them. And yeah. I would imagine you, you'd mentioned before Usher's dating this amazing woman. It must have taken him forever to find a girl who's not just obsessed with his 1998 singles and like the fact that he's wealthy and has all these people fawning over him. I mean, that is the search of a lifetime yeah. to find somebody who actually likes him for him. It's nearly impossible. I wouldn't, I don't envy that at all. Yeah. You know, the, the only thing he can do is go back to some girl he liked in middle school that liked him before he was talented and famous. <laughs> and, and even that's going to be tricky, right? Yeah. So he's constantly sifting through crap. And that authenticity has to show up in any relationship. If you're trying to constantly micromanage the way that people feel about you, or you're worried about showing some sort of weakness, that's going to doom you in every single relationship that you can. So Authentic, authenticity, honesty, and I mean honesty with yourself, not just don't lie to your girlfriend, but like right. honesty with yourself. It's it's tough to wake up, Jenny's my girlfriend, it's tough to wake up some days and go, oh man, I'm nervous about this. I don't think I can do this. And you know, she, she, she'll she go, whatever, what, you do this all the time, you'll be fine. It's not as helpful as, hey, listen, you know, worst case scenario, it doesn't go that well. They're going to let you redo it. They're, they're not going to judge you based on this. And if they do, it's, you know, it, it, it's their loss. And, you know, she'll try to tell me things that'll make me feel better. But at the end of the day, what I really know is that I can trust her with that and I can miserably fail at something. And she's not going to be like, oh, I, I don't love you anymore because I, I was in love with the idea that you're this like cool guy. And now I see the holes in that. So I'm out of here. Yeah. I don't have to worry about that. That's a strong relationship because I'm able to be vulnerable like that. And I'm not worried that it's going to bite me in the ass. Yeah. And you have to do that in every relationship. That's the mm -hmm. key. And a lot of people are going, well, wait a minute. I don't want to do that because what if, what if they don't accept that? Or what if they're not ready for that? Or what if they don't like that version of me? Then that person is a terrible person to have a relationship with, whether it's friendship, business, or an actual partner in your life. That's the worst. You, you, you want those people as far away from you as possible. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, and I think the people that aren't worried about what other people think of them or the people that are most successful. Of course. Yeah. And it's really hard to shed that, that piece of things, you know, it's, it, it is. takes a lot of deep internal work. I mean, I realized through this personal discovery this last year and a half, how big of a, a fear of judgment that I had growing up and mm -hmm. that affected every relationship that I had because I walked into every, whether it was like any relationship, you know, men, women, whatever. I walked into a relationship with a fear that people were judging me for how I was showing up to them. Sure. And so then it just like, I never really showed up. Yeah. Your personality. Dude, when, when I first talked to you on the phone a long time ago, I actually remember this conversation and I will, I'm, you know, I'll keep it all private, but it was like, you were very, you were a totally different person than you are right now in a lot of ways. This is the real you though, that I'm looking at. Yeah. The other guy was very muted and, and meek and kind of <laughs> quiet in a lot of ways. But even then, when you look at your photography, which is your medium of expression, I still don't know. We still don't know how that book showed up at my place. So weird. It's so weird. I got a photography book from of Nick's photos mailed to my office and it wasn't you. Yeah, and it wasn't me. we don't know who sent it. <laughs> And we have, it, it just showed up one day unannounced. And I was like, this name sounds familiar. I look in our database and it's you. I'm like, it's the same guy. Yeah. This makes no sense. But anyway, I look at those photos and you're like, you're stoked in those photos. You're happy. And I'm like, this, this is not the same person I talked to on the phone. It's, it was like looking at a different person. Your voice didn't match who I was looking at. Now your voice matches who I'm looking at yeah. because you were able to shed a lot of those insecurities about, you know, whatever. Do I have enough rings and bracelets on or whatever? <laughs> exactly. Are people going to like me? <laughs> you know? 
but it's that took so much internal work oh, yeah. and, and process and digging and i you know i i feel so much in a different place now which reflects completely differently it's i've i've been open to creating so much more in my life this podcast is a huge aspect of that of, of me getting out from behind the camera and getting yeah. in, in behind a mic and actually speaking yeah and talking and it's it's pushed me out of my comfort zone which is yeah right another sort of cliche that's actually really important right pushing yourself out of your comfort zone is really one of the only ways to find that authentic voice that you might have because there's a lot of folks there's a lot of photographers out there that have never taken a picture in their life yeah right they're because they're too busy working at chase filing requisitions i don't even know if that's a thing but it sounds like a banking thing (laughs) you know they're they're too busy selling cars at gmc you know they're too busy refurbishing computers yeah because they need to pay the bills yeah but they don't know that they're a photographer they don't know they're a broadcaster they don't know that they're some sort of brilliant artist because it's it's locked up and all they know is that there's some sort of itch that they don't know and and looking back at what i wanted to be when i was a kid which was i wanted to be a talk show host of some kind or a radio host I forgot all about that mm. until I was 20, what did I, when did I say the show? 2006. I forgot all about, and even then it was like, this is just a fun thing that I'm doing as a hobby. Now it's my job. I never would have imagined that that's the case. Yeah. And looking back at all those times I, I wrote about wanting to be like Dan Rather or like a newscaster <laughs> and stuff like that. And my mom, my mom lying to me and saying, they don't make any money, which is a lie. She just didn't want me to go to war zones, yeah. you know, and now I'm doing all this fun stuff <laughs> that actually is really something I wanted to do for a while. But every, everyone's got something buried that they wanted to be when they were a kid. And if it's a princess, you might have to find a replacement, but maybe you're just a fashion designer <laughs> and that's what appealed to you about the princess thing. Who knows? Right. Yeah. You never know. Well, I acknowledge you for jumping off and really take, jumping off that cliff and pursuing your passion because n- not a lot of people do that. And it takes a lot of pushing through fear mm-hmm. to do that. And, yeah. you know, I just want to encourage everyone else out there to do what Jordan's done and like ask yourself the deep, hard questions of what you really love, but get even deeper. Like, why? Why do you love it? How do you and how do you move on from there? Yeah. So I want to, there's one or another question I want to ask you before, um, we close out here, but in terms of building relationships, what are some ways that people can add value to other people in a, in a ways of being, you know, for me, like when I add value, a lot of times it's like being able to take photos and, and that's another great value, but you know, how can we add value just through conversation, just through ways of being in terms of building relationships? Because that's the key to building relationships is adding value to other people. It is. Yeah. And it's good that you should mention that. I'll, I'll, I'll give something practical because I know I promised I was going to do that a long time ago and I just never (laughs) delivered on that. Um, but yeah, you're, you know, your value is phenomenal in that way because everybody's, even if they're like, I'm good, you're like, no, no, no. I've seen the photos on your Facebook. I'm going to make something amazing. And people are like, dude, mind blown, right? A lot of people listening to this are like, I don't have any value. I'm not a good photographer. I don't have a lot of money to add to this person's situation. I don't know Richard Branson. I can't do anything to add value. People will actually tell you how you can add value to them if you're listening. And in What I mean by that is if I'm chatting with somebody and I'm always looking out for how can I help people get what they want? Mm. Because maybe I'm talking with somebody at my bank. I'll I'll give a real example. I'm talking to somebody at my bank and they're really into sports. I don't know anything about sports at all. I have 
no interest in a lot of that stuff, not even a little bit, but my business banker was really into sports and he's like, yeah, I, I listen to sports podcasts. And I was like, oh, I actually, I know a lot of those same guys because they run shows that are in the same niche. And, and they're like, yeah, you know, this show's so cool. I want to go and and check it out and like see them record it because it looks so fun, but I don't know how you would do that. I know they just pick people from the audience and, you know, something like that. And I was like, I bet you I can hook that up. Yeah. And so I was like, let me give this a shot. You don't have to make any promises, but I reached out to the host and I was like, listen, my business banker is totally random, lives in LA, loves your show. And he's like, yeah, we do live recordings every couple of weeks. Um, just give me his email. So I made an email introduction. My business banker is never going to forget me. He's going <laughs> to hook me up. I can call him at night and be like, hey, I got this issue and I'm going to be flying out tomorrow. Can you help me? And he's like, no problem. I'll, I'll look this up the second I get in the office mm-hmm. in the morning. Because... He looks at he goes to this cool live recording of his favorite show about sports and his athlete heroes are there. He's like, "This is epic. This is the coolest thing that's happened to him yeah. all year." That's value, and I didn't have to do much of anything. Yes, I used a networking connection to get him something cool, but everybody knows everybody knows somebody that can help somebody else. One of the guys that helped me the most when I moved to uh, Los Angeles right at first, I needed a dentist. Mm. And so I posted on Facebook and somebody I didn't even know was like, Hey man, uh, this dentist is really good. I've had a lot of work done recently because my teeth are crap. She's really nice, reasonably priced. Cause I don't have insurance at the, at the time. And you know, she, she was gentle and like totally understood and did it all fast and all this stuff. And I was like, great, good wreck. I go to that dentist, had a great experience, and I said, thanks for the recommendation, man. He goes, yeah, no problem. I said, let me know if I can ever do anything for you. He goes, this is a long shot, but uh, I really need um, more design work because it's, it's just hard for me to find work. I'm not good at hustling like you are, and I'm a designer. And I said, cool, what kind of stuff? Shows me his stuff. I'm like, actually, someone asked me for a graphic designer this morning. So I made an introduction. That guy's gotten a ton of work from that person. And so That's basically awesome. the reason he's paying his rent or paid his rent last year for a lot of months is because he recommended a dentist to me. He didn't do the dental work himself. He just recommended a dentist. Yeah. I needed a dentist. Now he's got jobs. This has resulted in thousands of dollars in income for this guy because he gave me a freaking dentist on Facebook. And it is that simple. Yeah. And sometimes it's luck, but there's if it's a numbers game, what's the best way to increase your odds in a numbers game? You increase the numbers. Yeah. So if you help a thousand people every year, maybe maybe yeah, a tenth of a percent pans out into something interesting. Mm. But that might be the life changing connection that changes the entire path of your career. I bet you can point to a few specific relationships that have helped you get your clientele up to where it is now <laughs> totally. and change everything. But you could have easily ignored the person that made that introduction or you could have easily flaked out on the event that got you that introduction. You could, there's a lot of things you probably could reverse engineer and go back and find out a way to have screwed that up yeah. and then never gotten to where you are right now. Totally. Totally. I love that, man. Just help lo- always be looking for ways to help people get what they want. Yeah. It's so key. And it doesn't mean like handing over a check because someone doesn't have rent money. It might be like, Oh, you're having trouble finding a job. Well, what are you good at? Oh, I'm really good at mixing cocktails, but you know, all the bars I've applied to are like really lame, divey places. I don't know anyone. And maybe you drink a lot and you're like, dude, I know all the bartenders at these speakeasies. I can make introductions. 
they're going to be looking for somebody who can learn that craft too. That could change that person's life yeah. just because you're a, you know, borderline alcoholic or something like that, <laughs> or you love craft cocktails or your friend makes beer. You know, there's yeah. a million little things that you don't even know, you know, that are exactly what somebody else has been looking for, for their whole life. Mm. Yeah. So good, man. So good. And last question I ask every guest here mm. is what does live inspiration mean to you? Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, for me, it's, it's tough because I've, I spent so many years not doing this, but, uh, and still it's a fight to do what's interesting and what I know is my best, like sort of creative edge versus getting mired down in the business. But yeah. looking at the things that keep you going, whenever I'm having a really bad day, I might call my assistant and be like, Hey, is there anybody that's waiting for me to record a show with them? You know, see if they can come on at 5 PM today. And she's like, you're slammed. I'm like, I'll cancel those things and record a show. I love doing the show. And, you know, I might, I might even wipe out stuff the rest of the week to like record shows with really interesting folks, mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, I might be freaking out about uh, any number of different things that have yeah. to do with the art of charm. But if I start recording shows and producing content for my audience, I'm like, this is why this is me living inspiration. Like this is me mm. really doing the things that keep me going, that keep me inspired. And it has to become a habit has yeah, to become a part of my life because if it's not, then, then I'm that guy who's like, I love photography and goes on vacation one week a year. It takes a bunch of pictures and then goes back to their miserable bank teller existence. <laughs> and, and if you, if you're making that inspiration, those things that expire you, if you're making that a habit to live that as often as humanly possible, then it, I think your happiness is going to amp tremendously because living in that passion, living in that inspiration Mm -hmm. That's what you're built for, whether you like it or not, whether yeah. it pays the bills or not. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So where can we find you on the internets and connect? On the interwebs. Well, as you know, I just, I just got Instagram, so don't bother with that. But uh, <laughs> the Art of Charm podcast, you're already listening to a podcast here. So just check out the podcast, The Art of Charm. It's free. There's 360-ish hours of stuff on there, so that'll keep you busy for a while. And if yeah. you're still around after several hours of, of me then and AJ and the rest of the Art of Charm team, for that matter, then you, you'll know where to find the rest. Yeah, the wealth of there's a wealth of, of great knowledge on the podcast, so check it out. And I appreciate you taking the time and coming on the show. Yeah, this is fun, man. I'm glad we got a chance to do this. Yeah, super cool. Thanks again. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode of Shop Talk Radio with Jordan Harbinger. I am your host, Nick Onkin. And if you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love it if you could help us out and inspire even more people by leaving us a review over on iTunes and or Facebooking or tweeting the episode. And we'd love to see where you're listening to Shop Talk Radio. So hit us up on Instagram. At Nick Onkin is my Instagram. Hashtag Shop Talk Radio. And show us where you're getting inspired. We'll see you next time.